Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com would I change myself? I am not, Why the I f- would I change myself? You don't love well, me then. If you don't love who I am and you want to change every single little don't thing, talk to me like this, don't talk to me like that then. <laughs> it's not funny to me because I'm the one that keeps coming all across the f- world to come see a person who doesn't care about me. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine, 90 Day Fiance Edition. Of course, as usual, I'm going to get started with 90 Day Fiance Happily Ever After. Just a quick recap before we get into the thick meat of 90 Day Fiance <laughs> the other way. Um, gosh, who do I want to start with? I mean, in, Paul and Karini. Okay. Paul clearly, again, is like frustrating the hell out of me because he brought this woman, his wife and his newborn child into a situation, into this country with zero plan whatsoever in terms of their finances, their home, anything that would allow Karini to feel like this is a place for her to live. Like, imagine this is your first time out of the country with your child, leaving your family, and you find out that you get about, you know, like, five days at a hotel, and then, question mark, question mark, question mark, like, who knows what's gonna happen, like, I would be so mad at him, and Paul doesn't seem to understand where she's coming from. Paul doesn't seem to understand all that she's given up. And I think he just thinks or assumes because she 
came from a like third world situation. I don't know if Brazil is a country is a third world situation, but obviously she was, you know, living, you know, her, her finances were not great, but that doesn't mean that because where she was grew up and lived does not look like the America that you could potentially be giving her. It doesn't mean that like, you know, you guys know what I'm saying? Like just because she grew up like a little more poor than you did, doesn't mean that like you can just bring her to America and expect her to just be like super, super grateful. Like, so first of all, he, um, takes her to Kroger. (laughs) where dreams come true in order to show her like a slice of American life. So she's like, what, what? Like, okay. So you guys have big bananas. You guys have three different types of onions. Like hooray for you. This doesn't really make me want to live in America. (laughs) Like this is the best you could do is show her a grocery store. And like, we know that he's broke as shit. So yeah, that is probably the best that he can do. But like, take her to the park, maybe. Take her to... You could do things for free that will show her that this place is nice. Like, don't take me to a grocery supermarket. You know, (laughs) he's so stupid. And so they're going around and he's trying to explain to her, you know, they have like, buy five items and you get $5 off or buy 10 items for $1 each. So you get 10 items for $10. And I think she like kind of understands, but I think she's also like, we don't have any money. So even if you are going to be saving $5, we really can't afford to be buying five of anything. Like (laughs) a $5 off doesn't really help us in this situation. So buying these five packs of like cheap baby wipes is not like, you know, just book the ticket now, book the ticket back to Manaus, Brazil, please. Um, there is a scene in which he's trying to buy her, um, like woo her the height of romance by buying her, um, picking out some panty liners and pads or tampons for her. And of course, production does a very smart thing of asking Paul about his knowledge regarding feminine care, feminine hygiene products. And, and, you know, obviously Paul doesn't know much. And I certainly wouldn't expect him to be the connoisseur of, uh, you know, pads and tampons. Like, Paul's not a pearl girl, right? We know this, right? (laughs) So they asked Paul, like, what's a pad? And he's like, well, I know it goes like, I don't even think he says it. He knows that he goes in the underwear, but he knows that, like, the pads are the flat ones and then he does a finger in the finger hole for what where the tampon goes and he says he knows about pearls and diamonds he's he knows that um <laughs> that uh Karini doesn't like wings on her pads you could tell that she's like really embarrassed like he's like a dad trying to help his daughter on like her first period of like oh like like he doesn't know shit but he's like he's really struggling and again, like, if this is your way of, like, showing her the great, the greatness of America, then, like, you're failing. 
so far she's seen the inside of a budget hotel, the inside of your disgusting old beat up Toyota, and the introduction to the Kroger Plus program. Like, sir, do better. (laughs) He goes out to dinner with his mom and his mom is like, y'all, what happened? What happened to the mother? What happened to mother between since the last time we saw her on television? Because she is so done with Paul's shit and it is okay. A lot of people are saying like, oh, I'm starting to feel for Paul now because she's starting to get really mean. And this is probably really how she's been acting his whole life. And that makes sense as to why he acts the way he does, why he's constantly running like he's fucking Forrest Gump every time he gets all worked up about a situation. And but honestly, like y'all know I'm a bad person. So I just think this shit is funny. So they go to dinner. Karini doesn't want to go. As soon as Paul gets there, she's like, where's Karini and the baby? Because I would not have come here if I knew that they were were not going to be joining you. Paul again tries to convince her for just a loan, just temporary loan until he can get on his feet. And she's like, all I've been doing you for you for your entire adult life is giving you temporary loans until you get off on your feet. And guess what? I haven't gotten any money back. Except for maybe, maybe what TLC might be paying me for making appearances on the show. And your dirty ass feet are still very much in the clouds. So why would I do this again? You know, he's trying to convince her that maybe like father could help. And I have a theory. We have not seen father. We have only heard about him via Paul and mother and I just I don't think that I don't think that father's alive and I think that this might be a little bit more of an open you know an open window as to why Paul is the way he is like is father alive or is this like an American horror story Kentucky situation where you know father may have passed away in 1993 and he's just sitting in a in a bedroom, locked up, and we're just talking to his mummified remains. Like, if you guys can confirm, I'd love to know, but can you? Can you? Anyway, let's move on to Colty and Larissa. So Colt and Mother Debbie go to Brazil to meet up with Jess and her family and try to put this relationship into, you know, the next, a further direction, the next step, a more serious situation. Right. So Debbie's super excited because she wants to see what Brazil's Walmart is going to look like. (laughs) Just, Just imagine this is like, you know, just like Karini, this is, this is Debbie's first time leaving the country and she just wants to see what the Walmart's looking like. Like, are the rotisserie chickens as good? Do you guys have a gun section? What are your, like, um, you know, cat character t-shirts looking like? Do you guys have, like, an animated cat, a cartoon cat with, like, a Brazilian flag, perhaps? She was wearing a t-shirt that had a cat that was, like, reminiscent of Biggie Smalls. and had a crown on and it had a Coogee sweater. <laughs> 
<laughs> and this is high fashion for Debbie. Have y'all seen these throwback pictures that Debbie has been posting on her Instagram where she was like a total like like straight out of Austin Powers like mod long-legged high heel these boots are made for walking ass bitch like she was a bad bitch back in the day she used to have like a high like a pompadour you know swoop up curl wig that she used to rock and ooh, I mean time has really changed her and Colt has not helped the situation. Colt hasn't really helped my situation either. I'm significantly less good looking <laughs> than I have been since being introduced to Colt. Um, so they get to Brazil and Colt is like, we all know that like his situation with Debbie's weird. And Larissa has been harping on this fact. And, but I don't think, I don't recall it being this strange Colt and Jess are like totally making out in front of her in a way that's like, ugh, I would rather die than like fully tongue down my boyfriend in front of my mother, like on multiple occasions. They're on the way to the hotel and Debbie's sitting in the back and they're sitting in the little, the middle row of the van. It's just like, wet smooching and like she has no choice but to just look at them because there's nothing else for her to look at and you would see her getting more and more aggravated (laughs) and she's just like I just want to take a nap I haven't slept since yesterday like I just want to go to sleep and she's pissed she's pissed and it's not just because she's tired it's because she's tired of cold so they get to the hotel weird situation number two like Bates Motel he, Colty claims that he got like a luxury suite and that was going to have like two bedrooms, but it wasn't really two bedrooms. It was one main room, you know, like you would expect like a standard hotel and then like a little room with two single beds that were directly the like open, like once you open the door, you have to go through the main bedroom if you want to access the outside, the, you know, there's no, like, if there are going to be two room, two bedrooms, you would expect there to be like a living room, little nook situation, like some sort of separation hallway even, <laughs> but she would have to open the door right into the bedroom. Here's Colty and Jess, like, ugh, rubbing thighs together. Ugh, I can't even imagine. And he's acting like, oh, I had no idea. Like, does nobody look at the pictures of where, of the hotel that they're staying at? You didn't realize that, like, that room opened up into the main, ugh. And now how are they supposed to have sex? Because the only thing, what if Debbie has to go up, go to, you know, TT in the middle of the night? And then she's got to see the full moon rising of Colty raw dogging Jess. And I'm sorry to be graphic, but like, this is the reality of the situation. And this is what makes me think that like, there's some weird like sexual thing going on with Colt and Debbie. And it seems like Debbie's really leaning into the fact that like, every woman has to go through her to get to Colt and she has to have ultimate approval. And it's very weird. 
I don't like it. And so we're going to move on to the next couple. Um, oh, Angela and Michael, not much to say about them, except for Angela found a new use for her bra. A little fun game for us all to play. <laughs> she has um, decided to hook her Dooney and Burke change purse to her bra strap. And so now her bra, she's wearing a t-shirt. Her bra strap is completely exposed because... I don't know why the change purse, she just doesn't tuck it into the bra. Clip it onto the bra strap and tuck it into the bra. That's what you've been doing anyway. That's just the way you are. So why now the change purse has to be sticking out of your t-shirt. So now we see the top of the bra and the bra strap (laughs) is confusing to me. Just tote it in your bra, girl. Mm. Jesus, tote the wheel. Um, Let's get to Asuelu and Kalani. Y'all, Asuelio needs to grow the fuck up. He is a gigantic baby. So we find out that once he tried to run away, shout out to my friend Amy, who said that Asuelio ran away like King Curtis in that episode of Wife Swap. Like, Chicken Nuggets is my friend. Like, you'll never see the last of me again. I'm gone. You're just a stupid little girl trying to run things like you're the queen. And we're just a sorry people. He ran away. And we find out that Kalani like tried and tried and tried to get a hold of him. So he's texting her. He sends her on a wild goose chase to wherever the fucking California they are. And he sent her three different fake addresses so she had to go all the way around to three different stops until she was finally like I'm not gonna keep doing this give me the real address of where you are I'm not playing with you so finally on the fourth time could you imagine fuck out of here Swayla could you imagine having to drive around you got two kids you're trying to celebrate your firstborn son's birthday get that set up And you're chasing around your husband, the father of your child, because he wants to give you a fake location because he's mad at you because he called you a fucking lying bitch and you didn't take it. He's mad at you because he feels like your life is so easy being a mother, raising his two children that you have no hand in. No desire to raise these kids or make any effort on your own. Just like, oh, hey, hey, I'm going to pick you up for 30 seconds before I go play volleyball with my friends. Asuelu's acting like a teen mom. Like Janelle. Like, he's just acting like, (laughs) like, are you Janelle? He's like the someone version of Janelle Evans. Like, no regard for the fact that Kalani is Barb. Raising this child on her own. Two children, really. And he acting like it's so easy, even though he doesn't lift a fucking finger for her or the children. And now he wants to be mad at her and run away because she's demanding respect out of her husband? Ugh. What happened? I gave him a lot of credit for being sort of a fish out of water. He's like, you know not educated in the formal way that we expect Americans to be, even though it's stupid, but like 
unfortunately, the life skills that he has from living in Samoa does not really translate into a decent job in America. And I gave him a lot of credit and I gave him a lot of credit for not like being used to American culture because it's got to be very different from what he's accustomed to. And he is, there's something wrong with him. His ass needs to go back home. Honestly, like you're going to cause his whole shit fit because you couldn't go back to Samoa. Like, first of all, you guys can't afford it. Your family expects you guys to bring gifts and money in significant amounts. And hello, there's a malaria outbreak and it's not really that great for your child to be like rush getting vaccinated. That's okay for your wife to say, you know, yeah, maybe it's okay, but the doctor didn't really recommend that we do that. And so maybe I should follow doctor's recommendations, right? And now you're raising hell at a t- your two-year-old's birthday party. Ugh, he's disgusting. So, ugh. <sighs> my god he has now locked himself in the bedroom playing video games he will not talk to anybody fortunately kalani's dad gets to the house and kalini her sister and she's having to like embarrass in the most embarrassing way like explain what happened but try to say it in a way that's like not gonna cause her dad to get up there two by two on the stairs and beat the shit out of Asuelu like he's been wanting to this whole time and say for the sake of my kid's birthday I just want you to make peace I understand that he is completely disrespectful to me and that he's acting like a child but for Oliver please just maintain a sense of decorum he agrees even though he said I just want to give him a straight ass whooping and at this point like I wholeheartedly agree like put it up on pay-per-view I would watch it put it up on Instagram live and just drop your Venmo like I'll I'll shoot you five dollars beat a Swaler's ass I cannot believe how disrespectful he is they're having the birthday party he's not even coming down Kalani has to go into the bedroom close the door behind because he doesn't want to be filmed And he has the audacity to say to her, like, stop coming up here and stop talking to me. Otherwise, I'm going to say something mean and you're not going to like it. (gasps) (laughs) I would have beat his ass. Kalani should have like just whipped her hair up into like a tight, a tight rope and just like beat the shit, flogged him, flogged him. Ugh. put him in a chokehold with all that hair you got like 50 inches of like good thick hair girl use it use it as a weapon nobody's gonna be able to know Ugh. I'm sick of him and I'm mad that I'm sick of him because I really liked him and I thought he was like a sweet little angel baby turns out he's not he's like the opposite he's like fucking Chucky Ugh, sick of him. Let's end this again on another person that I'm sick of, but I've always been sick of this bitch. Sinjin, not Sinjin, but Tanya, of Tanya and Sinjin. 
Tanya keeps pushing this narrative that she's concerned about Sinjin's drinking. And I just want to say, does a man drink too much? Yeah. Would I like my boyfriend, husband, whoever saying like, if I'm going to drink a beer at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to drink a beer when you're 30 and you don't have a job. Or even if you did have a job, like, yeah, that's concerning. I think he has a drinking problem. I think there's a difference between being an alcoholic and having a problem with drinking. In my opinion, I think Sinjin has a drinking problem. I think it's something that he could easily remedy, but it's clear that this has always been who Sinjin's been. And Tanya even admits to that. She says, when I met him, we were young, we were partying, and I really wasn't thinking, you know, he was a bartender, I was a bartender, I really wasn't thinking about, like, you know, I I just made the assumption that he, like, would grow up and get more mature and stop drinking as much. And I think that his drinking now, if I had to guess, is like stress related. I think one, he's homesick. Two, he doesn't have a job. Three, she can't have a job. Four, they just moved into an apartment. He doesn't know when he's going to get a job. Uh, Tanya has no idea when she's going to be you know, well enough from her foot injury to be able to work again. The doctor already told her that, like, maybe in six weeks you can, like, try it out and go back to the bar. But, like, if you end up injuring yourself, like, you're really not going to be able to do it again. Why is Tanya not trying to find a desk job? That's my question. You know, Sinjin does seem to want to be working and, you know, he went to the interview, didn't work out. So he had the free drink that the the bartender gave him. He had a couple more and then went home. Yeah, he was a little bit tipsy, but it's like, it's not like she's acting like he got turned down for that job. And then he like, somebody had to like drag him back in the house. He was a little tipsy. He had like two beers and a couple shots. Like that's not really that big of a deal to me. And I don't want to downplay like the dangers of like excessive drinking and alcoholism or anything, but I think she's trying to make it seem more dramatic than it is. But I also think he's like really just going through it and yeah, he's like drinking to get through it, which is not healthy. But I also think it's like, there's a lot of pressure on him. And so is it a good thing to do? No. Is it understandable? To a certain extent, yeah, kind of. Um, Did we all notice that um, last week Tanya made Sinjin carry her on her back, on his back, to the shower, and yet she went to go get her nails done with her friend, and she was practically doing a Simone Biles gymnastics routine into there. She didn't really have much trouble walking into there to get her free nail set done, did she? Hmm. She's sitting there telling her friend like, oh, Sinjin's really going above and beyond in terms of wanting to care for me, asking if I need anything, if I need help, if there's anything he can do. But, you know, sometimes he's like, ugh, gets frustrated. Like, yeah, he's allowed that. He's allowed that because it's clear that you don't need to be carried from your apartment bedroom to the bathroom across the hall, girl. Come on. 
Anyway, so they go to dinner. And Sinjin, I think, is like, every time that we see him, seems like somebody who's very open and very vocal about his his feelings. He's very open communicator. He doesn't, like, sit there and hide shit and then explode. Like, he is the sort of communicator that most women in heterosexual relationships would probably hope for, you know? He, you know, they go to dinner and she's trying to have this, like, heart-to-heart to him, one-on-one discussion with him about all the bad things that he's doing, even though he's basically been living for the both of them, doing everything for her, and also trying to find a job. I'm really concerned about your drinking. I'm, you know, like, I just feel like you're not trying hard enough, and I just really expected you to, like, be a completely different person, even though I knew what I was getting myself into when I forced you to move all the way to America and then marry me within 90 days, and let's not forget that 30 days into you coming here, I left to go to Costa Rica for a whole damn month to smell some essential oils and pussy pop my way around Costa Rica and flirt with a guy and not call you when I was out drinking way more than you were. I'm sitting there like, can't even stand straight. Talking about I'm coming here to like, get a job to be a medicine woman. What happened to that, Tanya? You can't formulate um, some oils together because your foot's broken? I thought this was supposed to be the job for you. I thought you were going to be Dr. Tanya, medicine woman. What happened to that? Hmm? You can't do some, like, online meditations with people for a couple bucks? What happened to that, Tanya? And, hey, yeah, maybe I'm not uh, doing exactly what you wanted, but I haven't been any different of a person than before we got married. Maybe you should think about that. And maybe another thing, Tanya, you should consider the fact that you want all of these things, you have expectations of me to be everything for you. But remember days before we got married, when you told me and that fucking medium or online FaceTime medium that I was not your soulmate and that your ex-boyfriend was your soulmate? You remember that? You do you think that might be the reason why I'm like not super invested in, in going all in and I'm fucking stressed out? You think that it might be the fact that you knew that I really didn't want to live in America, but I did it for you and I made the sacrifice for you. And now everything that I'm doing is because of you and you're not doing a damn thing but calling me an alcoholic. Hmm. Anyway, let's move on to 90 Day Fiance the other way. All right, y'all. 90 Day Fiance the other way edition. Let's get into it. Um, I'm going to start with Jenny and Sumit. Um, They had a pretty short storyline this week I, I'm kind of predicting that maybe their well I'm hoping for Jenny's sake that their storyline this season is not as um dramatic <laughs> as their last one but yeah I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a little bit more chill um so they meet up with Sumit's friend well it's kind of like their mutual friend Niraj who 
Jenny said has been like a really good friend to her and they go on this like pedal boat situation where you like pedal with your feet and out on the river and it's now been a week since we last saw them and Sumit has yet to actually take Jenny to the lawyer's office to give show her the receipts with regard to um, his divorce proceedings that it's actually been filed that it's actually like going through the normal processes that he's not lying Jenny says that like every she's been bringing it up every day <laughs> but she's trying to be chill about it <laughs> um and he she, she can sense that he is getting annoyed so she's trying to like be cool about it but also like she really needs to know that he is telling the truth so with they're with Niraj and Jenny kind of like gets at him a little bit because she's like, you were a really good friend to me. You were one of Samit's only friends who was like hanging out with us. Really like we formed a friendship and I was just a little bit disappointed in you that you knew that Samit was married the last time I was here and that you really didn't say anything. She's like, but I fully understand because, you know, in y'all's culture, it's kind of like a bros before, before hoes situation. And he's your friend first. And I totally understand that, like, you didn't really say anything. He apologizes for that. And I mean, what can he really say? Like, really, it's not really his place, right? Like, that's his friend. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, complicated situation you know um but he did apologize and they're all good with each other so Niraj is actually in the process of getting a divorce as well and he reveals that it's taken four years for that to happen but he like Jenny's like what (laughs) but immediately he's like well it's really because my ex really wants a lot of money and we are having like a very contentious situation it's not like the natural this is not normal in terms of like Indian divorces and Sumit's like just so you know like I've already given her the money I've given my ex-wife the money so everything's fine it's filed like don't worry about it I'm not in the same situation I'm, I'm not in the same boat that he is in um so that was basically it but I mean Niraj does side with Jenny and after she says, like, I've been trying to get him to meet to show me the papers that just prove to me that he's filed. She's like, you understand where I'm coming from, right? Like, I'm back here now and I am owed some honesty and I'm owed some, like, physical proof that he's getting a divorce. And Niraj is like, I completely agree with you. Sumit, you really need to take her to the lawyer's office to, you know, prove to her that this is worth it and that you guys are actually going to be able to get married legally. And so Samit agrees and was like, you know what? I'm going to take you to the lawyer the next day. I promise. That was really, I think that was really all that we saw of them. Um, next I'm going to go to Jihoon and Devin. So they had gotten into a fight the last episode where Devin was like, you know what? And Jihoon admitted that he basically did not have a plan for her coming back. He just wanted her to come back. You can leave if you want to, but I would prefer that you give me a few months to prove it to you so I can start paying 
for things and like we can live together and Devin was like I'm leaving with my when my mom leaves like in a couple weeks deuces um so he did not spend the night that night he comes back to the apartment he takes Devin outside again she's wearing the same shirt that she's been wearing since she left America just something to note he apologized to her for lying finally as he apologized I I feel like he's admitted to lying but I don't think he's given such a like like a, a a true apology for it yet I don't know um he said you know basically what he was trying to say is like our relationship moved so quickly it's been very (laughs) it's been very stressful for me to like try to keep up with the fact that we had a baby so quickly and we met and like we don't really know each other and you're in America and we have this like super long distance relationship and like I he I was feeling him up until (laughs) he started saying like you know, I didn't go to a good school. I don't really have any mark- marketable, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, marketable skills. So I decided to be a delivery person so that I could have time to rest. So basically you're saying that the stress of your relationship and the pressures of all the finances that have to go into bringing your wife here, living as a married couple with kids, that your decision from there was to get a part-time job so you had time to rest. (laughs) And this is where I'm completely on Devin's side (laughs) from here on out. She is like... Excuse me? (laughs) The fuck? So you're telling me that you got a job so you'd be a lazy bitch. Meanwhile, I have my kid and our kid. And I'm raising them. And I've been working 17 hour days every day on top of that. And you've been over here in Korea getting a job that works with your nap schedule. That's really what you're going to sit here and tell me. (laughs) I think that's a bullshit. He tries to be like, put some icing on this shit cake and say, you know what? I will admit to you. I'm going to be honest. I'm not good with money. For the past four months, I have been giving my money to my mom in a savings account. And as of now, I've got like 3000 bucks. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we can, we can start with that. So she's like, you have not given me any money towards raising your child for us to get married, for me to... Get the visa to come over here. The plane tickets. Not a dime. And what you're telling me is that you've just been giving money to your mom. And you've got $3,000 to show for it. So you have been saving money. But you haven't given me anything. 
which to me just sounds like you don't want to, you don't have any vested interest in like being a provider for your family. And I, I totally, totally get it. It's like, it sounds like you don't want to spend your money at all. And I've been sitting here making every sacrifice for the sake of you, the child that you gave me, and I don't have anything to show for it anymore. So like, I don't have any money for myself and I don't have, you know, I don't have anything to go back to. Like she said last episode, but I don't have anything in anything here in Korea. Like I thought it was going to come here and have some sense of security. Now I said before, like, I don't know why she thought that over the course of the two, since the two months that she had been in Korea before, why she thought that that would be enough time for her, for Jihoon to get on his feet and to be financially stable. I don't know. You should have known that when you had to book a, an apartment for a month that he probably, this is probably going to be the same go around, around the merry round, merry go round, you know? That should have been enough indication. And when you FaceTimed him and he was like, oh, I have a job, tile, how much money are you going to make? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, don't we all get jobs? Isn't that the first thing that you want to know is how much money you're going to make from it? The first thing? The first thing that should be on your mind and the first thing that you should be able to recall? How much money I'm going to be making even on like an hourly scale? (sighs) Jesus. I mean, I don't want to put the onus on her at all, but I also am like, you're being a little bit naive and expecting him to completely change over the course of two months. Like, realistically, I, I personally would not have believed it. And I, if he had told me like, okay, give me six months. And in that six months, I'm going to save money get a good job, work like hell or whatever I have to do to like get a stable income, have savings for us, get an apartment. And that way, when you come here, you're, we already have a place. I've got a job and I've got savings. And then we're kind of on cruise control from there. Like that's the thing that she should have been listening for. And I wish I, because she's 23, I wish that somebody in her family had told her, like, really think about this. Like, is this a realistic thing? And I also understand, like, the show has filming times, time span in which they're going to film. So you can't just be like, hey, um, I know you guys want to start filming now, but Jihoon's not ready. Like, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, this is your life. And Jihoon can't make money from being on the show, right? Because of, like, international laws, like, they can't... I don't know if it works on the other that way on the other way. Because I know when the foreigners come to America, because they don't have, like, green cards yet until they get married, they can't make money, they can't be paid by the show, but I don't know if it works that, that way the other way. If you guys know the answer to that, let me know. Because it seems like if you're filming in his country, then 
he should be able to be getting paid. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Or if you guys know the answer to that, let me know. Anyway, um, she, Devin basically says like, I I don't really think I want to be together with you anymore. I got a hotel. I'm getting the hell out of this shitty apartment. Me and my mom and the kids, me and my mom and the baby and Drusilla are going to be going to another hotel in a nice, safe neighborhood. And to be honest with you, I don't think I really want to see you anymore. And, but I just need time to think. So he walks away from the apartment, but he does admit to being stupid and selfish for making her come back again. And he says like, I feel like this is game over. And I was like, yeah, but like, you have to understand that you're the game boy. (laughs) You're the game boy. The games are being played because of you. So yeah, if she wants to turn off the, the console, then that's on you, bro. Sorry, Jihoon. (sighs) <sighs> let's get to Ariella and Pinyam. So Ariella managed to stay in that apartment for the first night and her mom's on her way to view the place and she's super nervous because she's like, I did not like this place and I know that my mother is going to quadruply not like this place. I know quadruply is not a word, but y'all feel me. Um, oh God, you know... <laughs> Sorry, this has nothing to do with anything, but you know, you just get like a random taste in your mouth and I haven't had a fruit by the foot in probably 25 years, 20 years, and I just really got a craving for them. They probably don't hit the way they used to. They probably don't hit the mouth the same as a 34-year-old woman as they did like an after after cheerleading practice, nine-year-old, 10-year-old girl, but I'd like to see. And some gushers. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, what does that have to do with... Right, okay. So she is really stressed out about her mom coming. And she should be. We saw them get into the apartment at night. So we didn't really see the conditions of the neighborhood or the property. And it's rough. Like, there are just, like, piles of rubble and, like dirt and it's hard to walk from the street up to the apartment there's not like a clear pathway and Arielle is trying to walk around there and flip-flops and she's however many months pregnant and she goes to greet her mom her mom comes out of the taxi and she's like oh how was your trip she's like um I'm scared (laughs) she was scared just being in the in the cab on the way there, she says she has chest pains. <laughs> Ma'am, girl, you don't have chest pains from seeing other people be poor. And now you're scared because people are poor. Girl. <sighs> God. Um, so they walk up to the apartment and they get in there and Benyam's there to greet her and she's like, basically isn't even super friendly. She's like, as soon as she gets eyes, like a 360, have you guys seen that meme of, of Hillary Clinton where she goes to an apartment in the Bronx and she's looking around like, y'all live like this. (laughs) It's basically like that. And her mom says, I think her mom's name is Judy. 
maybe she's a Janice. She, her name's Janice. She had Judy energy though. Um, so Janice is like, uh, listen, I understand that this is a third world country. And while poor people are very nice, they also live in conditions that I'm not used to. And I don't want to come off like a snob, but this is no place for a baby to be living. Binyam again is just like heartbroken, you can tell. And you can tell he's so embarrassed. And I feel so bad for him because it's not the same as Jihoon, who just like isn't trying. It's like this, he's really trying his best. And unfortunately, his best is not good enough for them. And you could just tell that he's so embarrassed. Like, I just feel like he doesn't... Like, he understands. He did say that, like, I can't afford... Like, I can't afford the type of place, like, the type of apartment that people from Western culture are used to. Like, he's trying, you know? And, again, like, I don't really understand why Ariella didn't save up her own money. Like, this is what I'm not understanding from Ariella specifically, but also kind of Devin in a way. is like, y'all understand that your dudes are poor. Like, Ariella understood that he was living on his brother's couch. She knew that. She knew that he had, like, 50, 11 jobs, which means you have several hobbies and, like, maybe you make a little bit of money off of them. She knew these things. And she also has to understand, as well-traveled as she is, that the American dollar is probably very strong in Ethiopia. And I even did some research. And I found some places in Addis where they live, in Addis Ababa. And there was, like, a pretty decent two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment in a nice little high-rise place. Like, it was, it came out to be, like, $450 a month. And that included, like, electricity and hot water and the bathroom was really nice. And, like, it was a decent place. Like, it, the bathroom was, like, super nice. Like, waterfall, shower head. They ha- I think they had, um, like, house cleaning services, like, for $450 a month. So, you who lives in New Jersey, you understand high rent. You're close enough to New York to understand that, like, the place that I saw in Addis would have been at least three grand in New York. Or 2500 in in Jersey, let's say. Why didn't she save money? Why, why is she, why is the financial burden falling on him? Why has she not saved money? Like, It doesn't add up to me why she expects him to pay for everything, especially when you know his financial situation and you had a job that, like, you could have easily saved up $450 a month because you're living at home and you're working, like, for your dad. You could have saved up $500 a month for six months, at least nine months, I would say. To be able to live the way you want to live. And then 
you know, hopefully things will go from there, right? Like, in this particular couple, like, I'm not understanding why all the financial burdens are falling on him. So anyway, um, Binyam asks, uh, what's her name? Janice, if she wants to sit down and like chat. And she's like, no, I want to take a tour of the place. Like, let's see. So he takes her into the bathroom. They all go in there and she's like, we, we get to see the bathroom with the light on, which was more mold than I expected. And Janice's response is to look over at Ariella and say, so what do you think about this? <laughs> and Ariella's like, mm. <laughs> so then they, he shows her the kitchen, which is detached from the apartment. And the kitchen is like a three, three wall situation. And we're talking like, you know, like those tin, tin wavy roof situation. Like it, it's very precarious. There is no light. They don't have a refrigerator. Um, the water that they get is from like a spigot out in the yard that was provided by the government. They have a water jug, like barrel. And she's like, okay, Janice is like, how often... Do you, how much, how long does it take to go through a barrel of water? And he's like, yeah, maybe like every two days. She's like, do you clean the barrel after that? Cause she's wanting to know like the standing water situation. Do you clean the barrel every time it empties? He's like, yeah. She's like, well, what do you use? Oh, th- we have these leaves that are like disinfecting leaves. They clean it. It's like soap, like soap. Okay. But not soap. But they're leaves that are not. So, okay. So she is horrified <laughs> and like, she's like, you know, as a mother and as a nurse, I've been in the medical field for 30 years. Like these are horrific conditions. It is not clean. You guys don't even refrigerate your food. So it's just sitting there in like the hot African sun under these, like in these tin walls, which probably makes it even more hot. And I'm not having it. So fortunately, we find out that this is just a temporary space. That he actually has another apartment. And it's like in a state of disrepair. It has to be renovated before they can move in. So Janice is like, okay, let's go see the other apartment. So they get there. And while there is a lot of potential for this place, it is clearly bigger. It's a two bedroom. I think one bathroom. It's has a lot of potential to be much better than where they're living now. However, it is nowhere near finished. There are like, there's random shit on the ground, bottles of wine, You know, those like painter's claw, drop cloths. It's kind of painted, but not really. There's really no furniture save for like one little love seat that has like a satin slip cover on it. (laughs) Like, but once it gets done is clearly going to be much better. The shower situation doesn't look that great, but you know what? The toilet is nice. It has a toilet seat. 
and it looks like a very modern toilet. And there's another rain, water or barrel of water for the shower, but I th- believe he said that it was going to be like an actual shower eventually. So Janice is like, okay, well, how long are you estimating that this is going to be completed? And he's like, I think it's going to be two weeks. And they're like, absolutely not. This is not going to be done in two weeks. And Janice is like, you know, even if you had a whole team of people working super hard, I think this is going to be like at least a month, at least. And so I don't know what you're going to do. So again, like Binyam, I just feel bad for him because he's, he doesn't have any answers. He's really trying to like keep it light, keep it bright and like try and show her, prove to her, Ariella and her mom that he's got it covered, that he wants to take care of her, that he's trying to do the work. And Janice is just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, sir. And it's sad. Uh, And let's counter that sadness with some happiness before we get to Brittany and Yazan with Armando and Kenny. Sweet angels. Uh, Armando is finally in the apartment. They're in La Mision, Mexico. Setting up the new place. It's really nice. Armando says, like, this is way nicer than a place that I've ever lived. The kitchen's way bigger than I'm accustomed to. Um, you know, I, this is in a gated community because I'm not really not sure, like, how the city is in terms of, like, gay people and whether or not we're going to be safe. And But the apartment's really nice, really cute. They have this balcony and it's beautiful and just, like, such a great situation. Now... That damn Armando pulls on my heartstrings yet again with his little crafting project. Okay? Ugh. Mm. (sighs) Okay, so he says that, you know, Kenny is in a much better financial situation with him. And now that, like, Armando is living away from his pet business, grooming, he doesn't really have the finances. Kenny's going to be paying for the apartment. And also, like, throughout the relationship, Kenny's a giver. He gives him gifts. He gives Hannah gifts. He's very generous. And he's like, I've really, Armando's, like, I've never really been in the position to, like, not only, like, to give him gifts, but also give him gifts, like, on the level and quality that Kenny gives to me. So I like to do a lot of crafts. and, And Kenny really loves when I, like, do handmade stuff for him. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, so so sweet. So Kenny make puts pulls out this little picture frame and it's got <laughs> guys. It says on the top, love true love has no borders, and on the bottom, welcome home. And it's got a picture of both of their states. So the state of Florida is on the right side and where he is in Mexico is on the other side or where he's from. And there's a little string between the two of them. Like, little one heart to the other. Now, y'all, he did a little craft for him. 
Uh, and it was supposed to be like a welcome, welcome home gift. Because we're not going to make a new life together. Oh. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Uh, how sweet. How sweet is it, little Armando? Bless him. Then we see Kenny and Truffles. They make their way through Arizona. And Truffles is in his lap. That tongue, tongue out again. Like a true queen. And we see him, you know, Kenny is an emotional guy. He, it's very, like, good and bad. He's first emotional about the fact that he is leaving his family. He's never been further away than 20 minutes from his kids. And now he's going to be really far from them. And that's emotional. And then he's getting emotional over the fact that, like, he's always been, he's never been able to be selfish in terms of, like, his love life. But, like, now he's so happy and he knows it's time for him to be happy and to, like, have this life with Armando and this new chapter. And he's just, like, so excited to be with Armando and he starts getting choked up about that. Like, I'm finally going to be with the love of my life. And we see them get to the Mexican border and he's driving there. Ugh, you guys, I cannot wait for him to come to the apartment. And it's going to be so emotional. And little Truffles is going to, like, be there and be so cute and meet Armando. And they're going to decorate Hannah's little bedroom together. Ah, mm, I can't wait. <sighs> I hope that was a little sage because shit's about to get wild again. With Brittany and Yasan. So it's the next day after Brittany gets to Jordan. She's putting her lashes on. She's talking about like, oh, I'm already over it. Like she's already on negative attitude wise. And like, she's like, ugh, I'm already over his attitude. Yasmin's not even there yet. She, but she's over him. So he comes to the hotel. He brings her four flowers. I don't think they were real, but whatever. It's fine. He says, you know, I want to talk. He also brings a bag with him. And he tries to reason with her and say, you know what? I'm jealous. I was jealous of the fact that you hugged a guy in production. And you also need to understand that, like, in my culture, women don't just hug men like that. That they're not, like, you know in relationships with or related to like we just don't do that and you have to understand that like my initial reaction to that was to be jealous and it's not even like a cultural thing like it's literally not allowed in my religion like this is not how we do things <laughs> like it's not even like an optional thing it's like a religious we don't do that. She forgives him, kind of. But she's got, like, one... Her, like, left eyebrow is about six inches higher than her right one for some reason. And that's the one where you can tell how shit's gonna go. That eye was eyebrow was, like, really going rogue. And you could tell that, like, I'm being nice to you, but, like, 
you're really hanging by a thread here, okay? And not the thread of Armando and Kenny. It's like a a very thin one that is not love. It's like one little one little blow on that and I'm about to pop off, okay? Um they're going to make a couple stops first to see their new apartment and then to visit his parents. Brittany's wearing like a jean jacket and jeans like she's kind of appropriate but she's also like not fully covered up in a way that would be appropriate for meeting your very conservative muslim um soon to be potentially uh parents-in-law so he's like i brought some clothes and a hijab for you because you can't go out like that and of course this is a problem for Brittany. she's like when do you understand? I I want to wear what I want. I'm American. I'm an American. I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm I'll change for you. I'll change clothes when we get to your parents' house. He's like, okay, fine. Um. So we find out that like she the last time she went to Jordan, she had worn the hijab. She had been respectful, but now simply because she's mad at Yazan, she doesn't feel like it. <laughs> She this is like now because I'm mad at you, I'm gonna be completely disrespectful towards your entire culture and your religion. Um, and so they get to the car, and Brittany's like, you know what? I agree. I will not hug other men in the Muslim culture. Culture, but if I see an American person as an American, you have to understand that this is how we communicate. The physical touch is not. A bad thing so like if I see another American I am going to hug them whenever I want and you need to understand that I think I think that's a fine compromise to be honest with you like I'm, I will respect your culture and the people in your culture but if I if I'm gonna hug an American this is my culture I, I think that's okay and he just has to be under a little bit more understanding of that like we, it's hard to be on either of their side, really, because they make good points and then they don't, and neither of them want to meet each other halfway, but I kind of am like 60-40 on Yasin's side because she made the choice to move to Jordan. She made the choice to marry a Muslim man in his country in an Arabic Islamic country. And so you have to be understanding of like how they live. Just like you would expect if Yazan moved to America, that you would be really pissed, clearly, if he tried to do anything that you felt was like outside of American culture. Like you you have to be understanding. Um, that you're in a situation in which like you're going to have to give a little bit more than he does, is what I'm trying to say. So, um, then she gets really fucked up. And this is where, then I, again, I'm like, even though Yazan's like not perfect, then I, it's like, Brittany doesn't never, she never helps herself. She can never argue in a way that is like rational. And it's always turns into like just anger. And you're acting like, 
he's so angry, but you're mirroring his anger. You're not trying to de-escalate the situation. You're just making things worse. So then she goes on to say, like, she's like, I just feel like you don't love me because you won't accept me as I am. And she starts cursing at him and he's kind of looking at her and like, like he, he says, like, it's kind of funny, but actually it's like really annoying. Like you're doing a little too much, but you're doing too much here. Right. So then she goes on to say, gosh, this is such a nightmare. Um, she was going to say like, well, how would you feel? You're so disrespectful of me as an American woman. How would you feel if I went to your parents' house and said how y'all live your lives is wrong? And he's like, please don't do that because they're not going to like you. And she's like, well, I'm starting to hate them too. What? (laughs) Why would you say that? Like, did you have to go there? Was that necessary? It's gross. And And it really teeters on like really being racist and like islamophobic honestly then she says you know i'm not an arabic person i'm a black person so maybe you should go marry one of your cousins yikes i mean i know that that like culturally is what they do but in terms of how britney said it we know she's being fucked up in saying that right we all get that Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Um, so they're still in the car. She puts on the hijab. She's like, I, she didn't even want to wear want to wear it. But then she finally puts it on. She's like, oh, I can't believe you're making me put this over my nice wig. Now you owe me $900. Like, girl, if your $900 wig is going to be that ruined by you putting a hijab on, then it wasn't worth $900. Okay. Anyway, fortunately for everybody, Brittany's attitude only gets about, 15% better when she goes to their house and she is smiling like they know each other they've met each other he's she's being pleasant greeting them shakes his dad's hand like he's like oh you're so beautiful she's like oh thank you you know like of course she's gonna be like oh you're calling me hot like great I like you now but then she's like I don't want them to ask any questions about the wedding it's like okay well girl you knew before you got on that plane, that they were going to be asking about the wedding. 
and that they expected you guys to get married within like a week or two of you moving there, right? So to say like, I don't want them to ask me shit about this is like, well, what are you expecting? You're the one who's being a liar, girl. (laughs) You can't be mad at them because you lied to them and they're expecting your lies to be truth because they took your word for it. Dummy. Okay, so the first question right out of the gate from the dad is like, okay, so what's the deal? What's the deadline? Or, you know, like, what's y'all's schedule for getting married? And Yasmin's like, okay, well, I need to ask Brittany's dad's permission first. And Yasmin's dad's like, great. So you're going to ask him today. You're going to guys are going to figure everything out, get his permission. And then tomorrow you guys will go and get the paperwork. They're not speaking English, so Brittany's like, what's going on? So Yasmin translates to her, and um, she's like, get the license on Sunday? Like, this this Sunday? Like, two days from now, Sunday? <laughs> and and she's like, oh, well, um, I just really wanted to wait to get married. You know, I really wanted my family to see the, see this happen, and, and I want them to get here and watch me get married, right? Um, so, you know, it's going to take a while for them to get here. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously she's lying. And even though she's speaking English, it seems like they have like a little bit of understanding of English, especially the mother. (laughs) Ooh, his mom. Um, so Yasmin's like, well, why, why does she want to wait for them? And how long is it going to be until they can all get there? So we all know that like his mom, because of cultural reasons, does not want to be filmed, but we can see like the back of her head and they can film like the back of her, right? Uh so um Brittany says that she anticipates that the family her family will be able to get there in January. So her mom understands January. She's like, January? What's happening? There were, and then her dad's like, okay, well, has Brittany made any sort of, like, before we completely go off, has Brittany made any sort of, like, strides in terms of converting to Islam, even learning about it, doing any sort of readings? Has she made any sort of effort to learn about the Islamic religion? Obviously, she hasn't. <laughs> So then, you know, she, Brittany, for some reason, asked Yazan to stop treating her like a baby. And he's like, well, you are my baby. And I think this is like a lost in translation thing. And, um, so sorry, Brittany's like, no, I'm, I'm not a baby. I think Yazan's trying to say, you are my baby. Like, you're my fiance and she's saying you're treating me like a child which I think is not what is happening here I mean yeah no um so then the dad they're, so they're like building up a case these, these parents are smart <laughs> so they're building up a case and they're like well we know that you're still on social media and you're in, you were in Florida basically living your life as usual and not really like a you know woman who's engaged to a muslim dude so if you're still gonna be in any sort of relationship with our son you need to cut that shit out and 
yeah, Brittany says, like, well, I feel like you guys don't really respect my culture. And this is where the mom starts popping off and is like, you know what? If my son calls you his baby, you need to be respectful of the fact and say, yes, I am your baby. You agree. And you don't say no. And then she goes on to say, like, girl, number two. In our culture, when you join our family, you're basically leaving your own family. You're leaving behind your cultures. You're leaving behind, like, your way of living. Especially, like, you need to convert to Islam. And you need to live, like, as a traditional wife in this family. And she's like, you know what? You guys have been together for a year we don't really do this. This is like, you know, we're on like Duggar time in terms of like courting. You guys get married. Like once you guys decide to be in a relationship, like you guys are in a relationship for the implicit reason to get married. And so this is like on the fast track. This isn't like, a, you know, do whatever you want. So y'all have been together for a year. You're not married. You don't have kids. Yasmin's 26. Like, you're wasting his time here. Brittany's, she's yelling, but, like, obviously Brittany doesn't know what she's saying. So, like, Brittany starts to get upset. She's like, I obviously can tell that things are getting heightened and she's yelling at me, but I don't know what she's saying. And then Brittany starts to cry. Because now, (laughs) homegirl, Yasmin's mom is, like, screaming and pointing at her. And we all know what she's saying because it's all being translated on the screen, but Brittany obviously doesn't. So she's like, Brittany, she has all these excuses. One minute that you're still married and now you want to wait for your family. And how the fuck long? She didn't say fuck, but how long are you guys supposed to wait? Like five or 10 years? Like you're still on social media. People are going to think, you know, like, what are people going to think about that? They're going to think that you're a prostitute and she's had enough of Brittany shit. And so Brittany gets up. And it's like, I don't know what's being said. She doesn't respect my culture. I don't, you know, I, there's just all this yelling and I loud noises and I, I don't know what's happening and you're not sticking up for me. So she's like in the hallway, like, I just like don't want to do this. And I like 2% understand, like, if somebody's yelling at you and you literally don't know what they're saying, like, <laughs> it, it's easy to get upset because you're like, I, I, this is a very heightened situation and I have no way to stand up for myself. I don't know what's being said. Yasmin's not translating for me. All I'm knowing is that one woman's standing up, getting in my face, pointing her finger and screaming at me. And to the left of me is his dad, who is not saying anything, but is equally annoyed. So I got to get out of the situation. That was the end of the episode, y'all. Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo. We're going to see, I think this is the scene that we saw in the previews. So... I think that this is about it for Brittany and Yazan. <laughs> like, we we even know that, like, Yazan doesn't even know that she's still married. So, her acting, like, all whoop-de-whoop and upset is like, oof, girl, you still have a huge lie that you still need to tell. So, mm. We'll see y'all. All right. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you guys. Bye. All right, y'all. 90 Day Fiance, the other way edition. Let's get into it. Um, I'm going to start with Jenny and Sumit. 
Um, they get a pretty short storyline this week. I, I'm kind of predicting that maybe their, well, I'm hoping for Jenny's sake that their storyline this season is not as um, dramatic <laughs> as their last one. But yeah, I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a little bit more chill. Um, so they meet up with Sumit's friend. Well, it's kind of like their mutual friend, Niraj, who Jenny said has been like a really good friend to her. And they go on this like pedal boat situation where you like pedal with your feet and out on the river. And it's now been a week since we last saw them. And Sumit has yet to actually take Jenny to the lawyer's office to give, show her the receipts with regard to, um, his divorce proceedings, that it's actually been filed, that it's actually like going through the normal processes that he's not lying. Jenny says that like every, she's been bringing it up every day, (laughs) but she's trying to be chill about it. (laughs) Um, and he, she, she can sense that he is getting annoyed. So she's trying to like be cool about it, but also like she really needs to know, that he is telling the truth. So with they're with Niraj and Jenny kind of like gets at him a little bit because she's like, you were a really good friend to me. You were one of Smeet's only friends who was like hanging out with us. Really like we formed a friendship and I was just a little bit disappointed in you that you knew that Smeet was married the last time I was here and that you really didn't say anything. She's like, but I fully understand because, you know, in y'all's culture, it's kind of like a bros before, before host situation. And he's your friend first. And I totally understand that. Like you didn't really say anything. He apologizes for that. And I mean, what can he really say? Like, really, it's not really his place, right? Like that's his friend, you know, <laughs> like, like I, I don't know it's a it's a complicated situation you know um but he did apologize and they're all good with each other so Niraj is actually in the process of getting a divorce as well and he reveals that it's taken four years for that to happen but he like Jenny's like what <laughs> but immediately he's like well it's really because my ex really wants a lot of money And we are having, like, a very contentious situation. It's not, like, the natural... This is not normal in terms of, like, Indian divorces. And Sumit's, like, just so you know, like, I've already given her the money. I've given my ex-wife the money. So everything's fine. It's filed. Like, don't worry about it. I'm not in the same situation. I'm I'm not in the same boat that he is in. Um, So... That was basically it. But Niraj does side with Jenny... And after she says, like, I've been trying to get him to meet to show me the papers that just prove to me that he's filed. She's like, you understand where I'm coming from, right? Like, I'm back here now and I am owed some honesty and I'm owed some, like, physical proof that he's getting a divorce. And Niraj is like, I completely agree with you. Sumit, you really need to take her to the lawyer's office to, you know, prove to her that this is worth it and that you guys are actually going to be able to get married legally. And so Sunit agrees and was like, you know what? I'm going to take you to the lawyer the next day. I promise. That was really, I think that was really all that we saw of them. 
Um, next, I'm going to go to Jihoon and Devin. So, they had gotten into a fight the last episode where Devin was like, you know what? And Jihoon admitted that he basically did not have a plan for her coming back. He just wanted her to come back. You can leave if you want to, but I would prefer that you give me a few months to prove it to you so I can start paying for things and, like, we can live together. And Devin was like... I'm leaving with my, when my mom leaves, like in a couple weeks, deuces. Um, so he did not spend the night that night. He comes back to the apartment. He takes Devin outside again. She's wearing the same shirt that she's been wearing since she left America. Just something to note. He apologized to her for lying. Finally. As he apologized, I feel like he's admitted to lying, but I don't think he's given such a, like, like a, a, a pr- true apology for it yet. I don't know. Um, he said, you know, basically what he was trying to say is like, our relationship moves so quickly. It's been very, stre- <laughs> it's been very stressful for me to like try to keep up with the fact that we had a baby so quickly and we met and like, we don't really know each other and you're in America and we have this like super long distance relationship. And like, I, he, I was feeling him up until he started saying like, you know, I didn't go to a good school. I don't really have any marketable, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, marketable skills. So I decided to be a delivery person so that I could have time to rest. So basically you're saying that the stress of your relationship and the pressures of all the finances that have to go into bringing your wife here, living as a married couple with kids... Your decision from there was to get a part-time job so you had time to rest. (laughs) And this is where I'm completely on Devin's side (laughs) from here on out. She is like, excuse me? (laughs) The fuck? So you're telling me that you got a job so you'd be a lazy bitch. Meanwhile... I have my kid and our kid and I'm raising them and I've been working 17 hour days every day on top of that. And you've been over here in Korea getting a job that works with your nap schedule. That's really what you're going to sit here and tell me. (laughs) I think that's a bullshit He tries to be like, put some icing on this shit cake and say, you know what? I will admit to you, I'm going to be honest, I'm not good with money. For the past four months, I have been giving my money to my mom in a savings account. And as of now, I've got like 3000 bucks. <laughs> and uh uh you know we can we can start with that. So she's like you have not given me any money towards raising your child 
for us to get married, for me to get the visa to come over here, the plane tickets, not a dime. And what you're telling me is that you've just been giving money to your mom and you've got $3,000 to show for it. So you have been saving money, but you haven't given me anything, which to me just sounds like you don't want to, you don't have any vested interest in like being a provider for your family. And I, I totally, totally get it. Like, it sounds like you don't want to spend your money at all. And I've been sitting here making every sacrifice for the sake of you, the child that you gave me. And I don't have anything to show for it anymore. So, like, I don't have any money for myself. And I don't have, you know, I don't have anything to go back to, like she said last episode. But I don't have anything in he- anything here in Korea. Like, I thought I was going to come here and have some sense of security. Now, I said before, like, I don't know why she thought that over the course of the two, since the two months that she had been in Korea before, why she thought that that would be enough time for her, for Jihoon to get on his feet and to be financially stable. I don't know. You should have known that. When you had to book a an apartment for a month, that he probably this is probably gonna be the same go around around the merry round merry go round, you know. That should have been enough indication. And when you Facetimed him and he was like, "Oh, I have a job, tile. How much money you're gonna make? I don't know." <laughs> I mean, don't we all get jobs? Isn't that the first thing that you want to know is how much money you're gonna make from it? The first thing, the first thing that should be on your mind and the first thing that you should be able to recall how much money I'm going to be making, even on like an hourly scale. (sighs) Jesus. I mean, I don't want to put the onus on her at all, but I also am like, you're being a little bit naive and expecting him to completely change over the course of two months. Like realistically, I I personally would not have believed it. And I if he had told me, like, okay, give me six months. And in that six months, I'm going to save money, get a good job, work like hell or whatever I have to do to, like, get a stable income, have savings for us, get an apartment. And that way, when you come here, you're, we already have a place. I've got a job and I've got savings and then we're kind of on cruise control from there. Like that's the thing that she should have been listening for. And I wish I, because she's 23, I wish that somebody in her family had told her like, really think about this. Like, is this a realistic thing? And I also understand like the show has filming times and time span in which you're going to film. So you can't just be like, Hey, um, I know you guys want to start filming now, but Jihoon's not ready. Like, I get it. But at the end of the day, like, this is your life. And Jihoon can't make money from being on the show. Right? Because of, like, international laws. Like, they can't... I don't know if it works on the other that way on the other way. 
Because I know when the foreigners come to America, because they don't have like green cards yet until they get married, they can't make money. They can't be paid by the show, but I don't know if it works that that way or the other way. If you guys know the answer to that, let me know. Because it seems like if you're filming in his country, then he should be able to be getting paid. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. Or if you guys know the answer to that, let me know. Anyway, um, she, Devin basically says like, I I don't really think I want to be together with you anymore. I got a hotel. I'm getting the hell out of this shitty apartment. Me and my mom and the kids, me and my mom and the baby and Drusilla are going to be going to another hotel in a nice, safe neighborhood. And to be honest with you, I don't think I really want to see you anymore. And, but I just need time to think. So he walks away from the apartment, but he does admit to being stupid and selfish for making her come back again. And he says like, I feel like this is game over. And I was like, yeah, but like, you have to understand that you're the game boy. (laughs) You're the game boy. The games are being played because of you. So yeah, if she wants to turn off the, the console, then that's on you, bro. Sorry, Jihoon. <sighs> Let's get to Ariella and Pinyam. So Ariella managed to stay in that apartment for the first night. And her mom's on her way to view the place. And she's super nervous because she's like, I did not like this place. And I know that my mother is going to quadruply not like this place. I know quadruply is not a word, but y'all feel me. Um, oh God, you know, <laughs> sorry, this has nothing to do with anything, but you know, you just get like a random taste in your mouth and I haven't had a fruit by the foot in probably 25 years, 20 years. And I just really got a craving for them. They probably don't hit the way they used to. They probably don't hit the mouth the same as a 34 year old woman as they did like an after after cheerleading practice, nine-year-old, ten-year-old girl, but I'd like to see. And some gushers. Mmm. Mmm. Okay. Anyway. Um, what does that have to do with... Oh, okay. So, she is really stressed out about her mom coming, and she should be. We saw them get into the apartment at night, so we didn't really see the conditions of the neighborhood or the property, and it's rough. Like, they're just, like, piles of rubble and, like, dirt. And it's hard to walk from the street up to the apartment. There's not, like, a clear pathway. And Ariel is trying to walk around there in flip-flops. And she's however many months pregnant. And she goes to greet her mom. Her mom comes out of the taxi. And she's like, oh, how was your trip? She's like, um... I'm scared. <laughs> she was scared just being in the in the cab on the way there. She says she has chest pains. <laughs> Ma'am. Girl. You don't have chest pains from seeing other people be poor. And now you're scared because people are poor. Girl. <sighs> God. Um, so they walk up to the apartment and... They get in there and Benyam's there to greet her. And she's like, 
basically isn't even super friendly. She's like, as soon as she gets eyes, like a 360. Have you guys seen that meme of, of Hillary Clinton where she goes to an apartment in the Bronx and she's looking around like, y'all live like this? <laughs> it's basically like that. And her mom says, I think her mom's name is Judy. Maybe she's a Janice. She, her name's Janice. She had Judy energy, though. Um, so Janice is like, uh, listen, I understand that this is a third world country. And while poor people are very nice, they also live in conditions that I'm not used to. And I don't want to come off like a snob, but this is no place for a baby to be living. Binyam again is just like heartbroken, you can tell. And you can tell he's so embarrassed. And I feel so bad for him because it's not the same as Jihoon, who just like isn't trying. It's like this, he's really trying his best. And unfortunately, his best is not good enough for them. And you can just tell that he's so embarrassed. Like, I just feel like he doesn't. Like, he understands. He did say that, like, I can't afford, like, I can't afford the type of place, like, the type of apartment that people from Western culture are used to. Like, he's trying, you know? And, again, like, I don't really understand why Ariella didn't save up her own money. Like, this is what I'm not understanding from Ariella specifically, but also kind of... Devin in a way is like y'all understand that your dudes are poor like Ariella understood that he was living on his brother's couch she knew that she knew that he had like 50 11 jobs which means you have several hobbies and like maybe you make a little bit of money off of them she knew these things and she also has to understand as well-traveled as she is that the American dollar is probably very strong in Ethiopia. And I even did some research. And I found some places in Addis where they live, in Addis Ababa. And there was like a pretty decent two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment in a nice little high-rise place. Like, it was, it came out to be like $450 a month. And that included like, electricity and hot water and the bathroom was really nice and like it was a decent place like it the bathroom was like super nice like waterfall shower head they ha- I think they had um like house cleaning services like for $450 a month so you who lives in New Jersey you understand high rent you're close enough to New York to understand that, like, the place that I saw in Addis would have been at least three grand in New York. Or $2,500 in, in Jersey, let's say. Why didn't she save money? Why, why is she, why is the financial burden falling on him? Why has she not saved money? Like, 
it doesn't add up to me why she expects him to pay for everything, especially when you know his financial situation and you had a job that like you could have easily saved up four fifty a month because you're living at home and you're working like for your dad. You could have saved up five hundred bucks a month for six months at least nine months, I would say. To be able to live the way you want to live. And then, you know, hopefully things will go from there, right? Like, in this particular couple, like, I'm not understanding why all the financial burdens are falling on him. So anyway, um, Binyam asks, uh, what's her name? Janice, if she wants to sit down and, like, chat. And she's like, no, I want to take a tour of the place. Like, let's see. So he takes her into the bathroom. They all go in there and she's like, we, we get to see the bathroom with the light on, which was oh, yeah, 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 yeah. more mold than I expected. And Janice's response is to look over at Ariella and say, so what do you think about this? <laughs> and Ariella's like, mm. <laughs> so then they he shows her the kitchen which is detached from the apartment and the kitchen is like a three three wall situation and we're talking like you know like those tin tin wavy roof situation like it's very precarious there is no light they don't have a refrigerator Um, the water that they get is from like a spigot out in the yard that was provided by the government. They have a water jug, like barrel. And she's like, okay, Janice is like, how often do you, how much, how long does it take to go through a barrel of water? And he's like, "Eh, maybe like every two days. She's like, do you clean the barrel after that? Cause she's wanting to know like the standing water situation. Do you clean the barrel? Every time it empties, it's like, yeah. She's like, well, what do you use? Oh, we have these leaves that are like disinfecting leaves. They clean it. It's like soap. Like soap. Okay. But not soap. They're leaves that are not soap. Okay. So she is horrified. (laughs) And like, she's like, you know, as a mother and as a nurse, I've been in the medical field for 30 years. Like these are horrific conditions It is not clean. You guys don't even refrigerate your food. So it's just sitting there in like the hot African sun under these like in these tin walls, which probably makes it even more hot. And I'm not having it. So fortunately, we find out that this is just a temporary space that he actually has another apartment And it's like in a state of disrepair, it has to be renovated before they can move in. So Janice is like, okay, let's go see the other apartment. So they get there. And while there is a lot of potential for this place, it is clearly bigger. It's a two bedroom. I think one bathroom. It's has a lot of potential to be much better than where they're living now. However, 
it is nowhere near finished. There are like, there's random shit on the ground, bottles of wine, you know, those like painter's cloth, drop cloths. It's kind of painted, but not really. There's really no furniture save for like one little love seat that has like a satin slip cover on it. Like, but once it gets done is clearly going to be much better. The shower situation doesn't look that great, but you know what? The toilet is nice. It has a toilet seat and it looks like a very modern toilet. And there's another water or barrel of water for the shower, but I believe he said that it was going to be like an actual shower eventually. So Janice is like, okay, well, how long are you estimating this is going to be completed? And he's like, I think it's going to be two weeks. And they're like, absolutely not. This is not going to be done in two weeks. And Janice is like, you know, even if you had a whole team of people working super hard, I think this is going to be like at least a month, at least. And so I don't know what you're going to do. So again, like Binyam, I just feel bad for him because he's, he doesn't have any answers. He's really trying to like keep it light, keep it bright and like try and show her, prove to her, Ariella and her mom that he's got it covered, that he wants to take care of her, that he's trying to do the work. And Janice is just like, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, sir. And it's sad. Uh, And let's counter that sadness with some happiness before we get to Brittany and Yazan with Armando and Kenny. Sweet angels. Uh, Armando is finally in the apartment. They're in La Mision, Mexico. Setting up the new place. It's really nice. Armando says, like, this is way nicer than a place that I've ever lived. The kitchen's way bigger than I'm accustomed to. Um, you know, this is in a gated community because I'm not really not sure, like, how the city is in terms of, like, gay people and whether or not we're going to be safe. And, but the apartment's really nice, really cute. They have this balcony and it's beautiful and just, like, such a great situation. Now... That damn Armando pulls on my heartstrings yet again with his little crafting project. Okay? Ugh. Mm. <sighs> okay, so he says that, you know, Kenny is in a much better financial situation for with him. And now that, like, Armando is living away from his pet business, his grooming, he doesn't really have the finances. Kenny's going to be paying for the apartment. And also, like, throughout the relationship, Kenny's a giver. He gives him gifts. He gives Hannah gifts. He's very generous. And he's like, I've really, Armando's, like, I've never really been in the position to, like, not only, like, to give him gifts, but also give him gifts, like, on the level and quality that Kenny gives to me. So I like to do a lot of crafts. And and Kenny really loves when I, like, do handmade stuff for him. Oh, Jesus, so so sweet. So, Kenny make puts pulls out this little picture frame, and it's got 
kisses on the top. True love has no borders. And on the bottom, welcome home. And it's got a picture of both of their states. So the state of Florida is on the right side. And where he is in Mexico is on the other side of where he's from. And there's a little string between the two of them. Like little one heart to the other. Now, y'all, he did a little craft for him. Uh, uh, and it was supposed to be like a welcome welcome home gift because we're not going to make a new life together Oh, I want to know what love is want you to show me uh, how sweet how sweet is it, little Armando bless him then we see Kenny and Truffles, they make their way through Arizona, and Truffles is in his lap, the tongue tongue out again, like a true queen, and we see him, you know, Kenny is an emotional guy, he, it's very, like, good and bad, he's first emotional about the fact that he is leaving his family. He's never been farther away than 20 minutes from his kids. And now he's going to be really far from them. And that's emotional. And then he's getting emotional over the fact that like, he's always been, he's never been able to be selfish in terms of like his love life. But like now he's so happy and he knows it's time for him to be happy and to like have this life with Armando and this new chapter And he's just, like, so excited to be with Armando. And he starts getting choked up about that. Like, I'm finally going to be with the love of my life. And we see them get to the Mexican border. And he's driving there. You guys, I cannot wait for him to come to the apartment. And it's going to be so emotional. And little Truffles is going to, like, be there and be so cute and meet Armando. And they're going to decorate Hannah's little bedroom together. Uh, mm, I can't wait. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com <sighs> I hope that was a little sage because shit's about to get wild again with Brittany and Yassan. <sighs> so it's the next day after Brittany gets to Jordan. She's putting her lashes on. She's talking about like, oh, I'm already over it. Like she's already on negative. 
attitude wise and like she's like ugh I'm already over his attitude Yasmin's not even there yet she, but she's over him <laughs> so <laughs> he comes to the hotel he brings her four flowers I don't think they were real but whatever it's fine he says you know I want to talk he also brings a bag with him and he tries to reason with her and say, you know what? I'm jealous. I was jealous of the fact that you hugged the guy in production. And you also need to understand that, like, in my culture, women don't just hug men like that. That they're not, like, you know, in relationships with or related to. Like, we just don't do that. And you have to understand that, like, my initial reaction to that was to be jealous and it's not even like a cultural thing like it's literally not allowed in my religion like this is not how we do things like it's not even like an optional thing it's like a religious we don't do that she forgives him kind of but she's got like one her like left eyebrow is about six inches higher than her right one for some reason. And that's the one where you can tell how shit's going to go. That eye was, eyebrow was like really going rogue. And you could tell that like, I'm being nice to you, but like, you're really hanging by a thread here. Okay. And not the thread of Armando and Kenny. It's like a, a very thin one that is not love. It's like one little, one little blow on that and I'm about to pop off. Okay. Um, they're going to make a couple stops first to see their new apartment and then to visit his parents. Brittany's wearing like a jean jacket and jeans. Like she's kind of appropriate, but she's also like not fully covered up in the way that would be appropriate for meeting your very conservative Muslim, um, soon to be, potentially, uh, parents-in-law. So he's like, I brought some clothes and a hijab for you because you can't go out like that. And of course, this is a problem for Brittany. She's like, why don't you understand? I, I wear what I want. I'm American. I'm an American. Blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'll change for you. I'll change clothes when we get to your parents' house. He's like, okay, fine. Um, so we find out that like she, the last time she went to Jordan, she had worn the hijab. She had been respectful, but now simply because she's mad at Yazan, she doesn't feel like it. <laughs> she is like, now because I'm mad at you, I'm going to be completely disrespectful towards your entire culture and your religion. Um, and so they get to the car and Brittany's like, you know what? I agree. I will not hug other men in the Muslim culture. Culture, But if I see an American person as an American, you have to understand that this is how we communicate. Physical touch is not a bad thing. So, like, if I see another American, I am going to hug them whenever I want. And you need to understand that. I think... I think that's a fine compromise, to be honest with you. Like, I'm, I will respect your culture and the people in your culture, but if, I, if I'm if i going to hug an American, this is my culture. 
I, I think that's okay. And he just has to be under a little bit more understanding of that. Like we, it's hard to be on either of their side really because they make good points and then they don't and neither of them want to meet each other halfway but I kind of am like 60-40 on Yasin's side because she made the choice to move to Jordan she made the choice to marry a Muslim man in his country in an Arabic Islamic country and so you have to be understanding of like how they live just like you would expect if Yasin moved to America that you would be really pissed clearly if he tried to do anything that you felt was like outside of American culture like you you have to be understanding um that you're in a situation in which like you're gonna have to give a little bit more than he does is what I'm trying to say so um then she gets really fucked up. And this is where then I go again. I'm like, even though Yazan's like not perfect, then I it's like Brittany doesn't never she never helps herself. She can never argue in a way that is like rational and it's always turns into like just anger and you're acting like he's so angry, but you're mirroring his anger. You're not trying to de-escalate the situation you're just making things worse so then she goes on to say like she's like I just feel like you don't love me because you won't accept me as I am and she starts cursing at him and he's kind of looking at her and like like he he says like it's kind of funny but actually it's like really annoying like you're doing a little too much but you're doing too much here right so then she goes on to say, gosh, this is such a nightmare. Um, she goes on to say, like, well, how would you feel? You're so disrespectful of me as an American woman. How would you feel if I went to your parents' house and said how y'all live your lives is wrong? And he's like, please don't do that because they're not going to like you. And she's like, well, I'm starting to hate them, too. What? you say that like did you have to go there was that necessary it's gross and it and it really teeters on like really being racist and like islamophobic honestly then she says you know i'm not an arabic person i'm a black person so maybe you should go marry one of your cousins yikes I mean, I know that that, like, culturally is what they do, but in terms of how Brittany said it, we know she's being fucked up in saying that, right? We all get that. Um, so they're still in the car. She puts on the hijab. She's like, I, she didn't even want to wear it, wear it, but then she finally puts it on. She's like, oh, I can't believe you're making me put this over my nice wig. Now you owe me $900. Like, girl, if your $900 wig is going to be that ruined by you putting a hijab on that it wasn't worth $900, okay? Anyway, fortunately for everybody, Brittany's attitude only gets about 15% better when she goes to their house, and she is smiling. Like, they know each other. They've met each other. He's 
she's being pleasant, greeting them, shakes his dad's hand, like, he's like, oh, you're so beautiful, she's like, oh, thank you, you know, like, of course, she's gonna be like, oh, you're calling me hot, like, great, I like you now, but then she's like, I don't want them to ask any questions about the wedding, it's like, okay, well, girl, you knew before you got on that plane that they were gonna be asking about the wedding, And that they expected you guys to get married within, like, a week or two of you moving there, right? So, to say, like, I don't want them to ask me shit about this is like, well, what are you expecting? You're the one who's being a liar, girl. (laughs) You can't be mad at them because you lied to them and they're expecting your lies to be truth. Because they took your word for it. Dummy. (sighs) Okay, so the first question right out of the gate from the dad is like, okay, so what's the deal? What's the deadline or you know like what's y'all schedule for getting married and Yasmin's like okay well I need to ask Brittany's dad's permission first and Yasmin's dad's like great so you're gonna ask him today you're gonna guys are gonna figure everything out get his permission and then tomorrow you guys will go and get the paperwork they're not speaking English so Brittany's like what's going on so Yasmin translates to her and um She's like, get the license on Sunday, like this this Sunday, like two days from now, Sunday. And and she's like, oh, well, um, I just really wanted to wait and to get married. You know, I really wanted my family to see the see this happen. And and I want them to get here and watch me get married. Right. Um, So. You know, it's going to take a while for them to get here. So, you know, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, she's lying. And even though she's speaking English, it seems like they have, like, a little bit of understanding of English. Especially the mother. (laughs) Ooh. His mom. Um, So, Yasmin's like, well, why why does she want to wait for them? And how long is it going to be until they can all get there? So we all know that, like, his mom, because of cultural reasons, does not want to be filmed. But we can see, like, the back of her head. And they can film, like, the back of her, right? Uh, so, um, Brittany says that she anticipates that the family, her family will be able to get there in January. So her mom understands January. She's like, January? What's happening? There were, and then her dad's like, okay, well, has Brittany made any sort of, like, before we completely go off, has Brittany made any sort of, like, strides in terms of converting to Islam, even learning about it, doing any sort of readings? Has she made any sort of effort to learn about the Islamic religion? Obviously, she hasn't. <laughs> So then, you know, she, Brittany, for some reason, asked Yazan to stop treating her like a baby. And he's like, well, you are my baby. And I think this is like a lost in translation thing. And, um, so sorry, Brittany's like, no, I'm, I'm not a baby. I think Yazan's trying to say, you are my baby. Like, you're my fiance and she's saying you're treating me like a child which I think is not what is happening here I mean yeah no um so 
then the dad, they're, so they're like building up a case. These, these parents are smart. <laughs> so they're building up a case and they're like, well, we know that you're still on social media and you're in, you were in Florida basically living your life as usual and not really like a, you know, woman who's engaged to a Muslim dude. So if you're still going to be in any sort of relationship with our son, you need to cut that shit out. And yeah, Brittany says like, well, I feel like you guys don't really respect my culture. And this is where the mom starts popping off and is like, you know what? If my son calls you his baby, you need to be respectful of the fact and say, yes, I am your baby. You agree. And you don't say no. And then she goes on to say like, girl, number two, in our culture, when you join our family, you're basically leaving your own family. You're leaving behind your cultures. You're leaving behind like your way of living, especially Like, you need to convert to Islam, and you need to live, like, as a traditional wife in this family. And she's like, you know what? You guys have been together for a year. We don't really do this. This is, like, you know, we're on, like, Duggar time in terms of, like, courting. You guys get married. Like, once you guys decide to be in a relationship, like, you guys are in a relationship for the implicit reason to get married and so this is like on the fast track this isn't like you know do whatever you want so y'all have been together for a year you're not married you don't have kids Yasmin's 26 like you're wasting his time here Brittany's she's yelling but like obviously Brittany doesn't know what she's saying so like Brittany starts to get upset she's like I obviously can tell that things are getting heightened and she's yelling at me, but I don't know what she's saying. And then Brittany starts to cry because now (laughs) homegirl Yazan's mom is like screaming and pointing at her. And we all know what she's saying because it's all being translated on the screen, but Brittany obviously doesn't. So she's like, Brittany, she has all these excuses. One minute that you're still married and now you want to wait for your family. And how the fuck long? She didn't say fuck, but how long are you guys supposed to wait? Like five or 10 years? Like you're still on social media. People are going to think, you know, like what are people going to think about that? They're going to think that you're a prostitute and she's had enough of Brittany shit. And so Brittany gets up and is like, I don't know what's being said. She doesn't respect my culture. I don't, you know, I there's just all this yelling and I loud noises and I I don't know what's happening and you're not sticking up for me. So she's like in the hallway, like, I just like don't want to do this. And I like 2% understand, like if somebody's yelling at you and you literally don't know what they're saying, like <laughs> it, it's easy to get upset because you're like, I, I, this is a very heightened situation and I have no way to stand up for myself. I don't know what's being said. Yasmin's not translating for me. All I'm knowing is that, one woman standing up, getting in my face, pointing her finger and screaming at me. And to the left of me is his dad, who is not saying anything, but is equally annoyed. So I got to get out of the situation. That was the end of the episode, y'all. Woo! Woo-hoo-hoo. We're going to see, I think this is the, the scene that we saw in the previews. So I think that this is about it for Brittany and Yazan. <laughs> like, we we even know that, like, Yazan doesn't even know that she's still married. 
So her acting like all whoop-de-whoop and upset is like, oof, girl, you still have a huge lie that you still need to tell. So mm, we'll see y'all. All right. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Bye.